Uh, you probably saw the story last week. Um, Mark Newfeld, who is chief of police in the city of Calgary and president of the Alberta Association of Chiefs of Police, um, throwing some cold water, well, kind of, on uh, on the idea of decriminalizing drugs. Not saying no, but saying not now, not right now. Uh, Newfeld says on behalf of Alberta's police chiefs that we're just not ready yet. And a number of things need to be put in place before we actually do go down that road. So um, when we hear this talk, uh, there's uh, actually a motion going to be going towards Edmonton City Council. Uh, New Councillor Michael Jans, I believe, this week planning to bring forward a motion to explore decriminalizing. Um, It's already happened in um, Vancouver, I believe, and in Ontario, actually province of B.C., uh, Toronto City Council also looking at it. So it's something that we're hearing more and more about. Where does it fit into the whole situation with how we handle drugs and what we can do uh, to try and get a handle on this opioid epidemic? Where does it fit into all of this? We're going to chat with Dr. Robert Tangay, who is a clinical assistant professor in the Department of Psychiatry and Surgery, at the University of Calgary. He's the president of the Pain Society of Alberta, provincial medical lead on opioid dependency training and Alberta education uh, addiction education sessions. We've chatted them with before. Uh, Dr. Tangay, thank you for your time. I appreciate you joining us. Hey, Shay. Thanks for having me. Good morning. Yeah, so when we talk about this, we, as you know, I like to bring you on. We just stick to the, to the evidence-based treatment models and the science out there. So when we talk about, you know, that approach to tackling the drug issues that we're facing in society right now and, you know, the overdose epidemic and all the rest, where does this decriminalization discussion fit in? Is it part of that spectrum that you, have, you and I have discussed before? Uh, without question, uh, I think that... You know, when we look at good drug policy, it includes four pillars uh, of those pillars. One of them is is harm reduction, which includes uh, the concept of decriminalization. And, uh, you know, there's been a lot of movements, but it's it's just one small piece of one pillar of a good drug policy. Right, exactly. There's a whole spectrum. When we talk about this one in particular, though, how does it fit in? How does it make things better? How does it improve the situation? Yeah, I think it does a a lot of different processes with that. I think that, you know, when we decriminalize uh, personal use of drugs for people struggling with addiction, uh, we remove the criminalization of a medical disorder, which is what addiction is. It's a a true mental health disorder. And uh, criminalizing it has always kind of been shocking to uh, many who work in the field, and, and hence why there's such a, a belief that we should decriminalize uh, small personal use of substances as the majority of people uh, who end up struggling with, uh, you know, either being charged with simple possession uh, or, or other aspects of it uh, are often those same people who are suffering with addiction. And uh, it just seems like uh, a really poor narrative that we're criminalizing uh, and, and hence uh, adding to the stigma of what should be looked upon as a health disorder. Now, Chief Newfeld not saying necessarily this is a bad idea, not wanting to, you know, not saying this is something that we, he's just saying we need to have some things in place before we go down this, that road. I mean, do you agree with that? Like he's talking about public health supports, ways to transition people into immediate treatment, things like that, things that just aren't there right now. Yeah, and you know what? If you read the British Columbia Association of Chiefs of Police and their report dated from December of 2021, uh, you know, Mike and that team uh, came out with basically the exact same argument. The yes, decriminalization is a good idea, but we need systemic change in order for decriminalization to make sense. Uh, They also really pushed back in Alberta's bought suit with this that four and a half grams of fentanyl is not okay. 
that it should be one gram or less. And, and that makes sense is four and a half grams uh, could potentially do a lot of harm to a lot of people, uh, whereas a smaller amount is, is more realistic. And this is where it gets really tricky when we're talking about decriminalization. Yeah. Is it one gram of heroin? Is that the same as, as one gram of fentanyl? Is that the same as one gram of cocaine? And the answer is no. It's not even close. I, I thought it was interesting. He said, you know what? Police officers are already operating largely on the principle of decriminalization anyway. We're not charging a lot of people with, you know, if they've got small amounts of drugs on. We typically, you know, we look to other ways of doing it. So, I mean, already, you know, police officers are exercising their discretion by the sounds of it. Uh, I think that's absolutely true across uh, Canada. Yet at the same time, um, you know, it, it would be much better to have a true protocol of what to do rather than, well, I'm going to let you off this time and then there's nothing. Uh, true disposition is absolutely imperative. So, you know, if, if you are caught with a, a amount of, of substances, there, there has to be what to do next. And right now it's really just up to the discretion of each individual officer right. uh, rather than, um, you know, really a, a true protocol of what to do. So, again, we always look at Portugal, and that's always the one everyone talks about, where decriminalization really started in that process of, of trying to remove the stigma of a health disorder. But at the same time, in their four uh, drug policy uh, pillars, one of them was enforcement. So not you weren't actually allowed to uh, openly publicly use substances. So, yes, a small personal amount was decriminalized, but no, it was not okay to use it in public. Okay. And right now we have such a mishmash of, you know, in certain areas we kind of look the other way or we're not really charging anyone uh, and we're not doing a lot for open public drug use. Uh, and at the same time, uh, it's illegal. So if we were to look at Portugal, it's absolutely illegal to use substances in public. And uh, we would focus on, on uh, you know, treatment and the movement into treatment rather than criminalizing the process. Is that happening anywhere in Canada? I mean, are we, we, we've talked about this so much. And, and like we've said before, I mean, the, the roadmap is there. It's not like we're, we're, we're splitting the atom here. This isn't new. There's evidence-based things that work. Are we seeing any jurisdictions move in the right direction, as you say, bringing it all together? Well, I think, I think we're starting to see some things happening. I mean... Um, you know, for instance, in Alberta, uh, in all correctional uh, provincial institutions, uh, you are now uh, going to meet with uh, an addiction uh, physician and be offered treatment immediately. Yeah. Uh, that's a huge step in, in a positive direction. But you're right. I mean, um, we have a roadmap, but there are differences, uh, differences in legislation, uh, differences in, in uh, governments and how things are run between uh, what a Portuguese federal government looks like, what our federal government looks like, what health looks like, what uh, justice looks like. Um, and, and it's a matter of bringing kind of an interdisciplinary ministry together uh, to develop a true uh, pathway and protocol that that is different where uh there's differences in in how we can and can't do things based on a, a multitude of other laws so can it be done 100 percent uh is it done yet in canada no uh what has to be done i think it has to be a, a complete makeover of what happens and following the pathway okay you get caught with a personal amount you're not going to be charged for it but 
in Portugal, you go to a dissuasion court, can we have some sort of compassion panel which would recommend treatment? Is treatment available? Can they get in easily? Uh, once they go into treatment, what happens? Do we waive all charges? The Oregon model is exactly that. You'll get charged, but your charges will be waived if you go to treatment. But is that actually working if you don't have treatment? Yeah. So it's 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 really sitting back and looking at the system as a whole rather than little parts like decriminalization, which is just a small piece. Yes, that whole spectrum that we've talked about. Uh, Dr. Tange, thanks so much for your time this morning. I appreciate you joining us.